2: You, are you, you, you to the lakers legacy podcast where all's well that ends danwell well not for the houston rockets but you know ironically that's what you get for betting on the house hey hey usually that's a smart move but not tonight and not in this series betting on lebron james and anthony davis though that's money Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Boys, we are up 3-1 on the Houston Rockets. The Lakers won 110-100 to in Game 4. How we feeling tonight, Tommy?
0: Feeling good. <laughs>
2: uh, Alan, are you feeling lit as well?
1: Uh, it's lit, dude. It is it's, it's lit. Yeah, we have it's trill. We're keeping it trill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, we haven't been able to say it's lit in this way during the playoffs uh, in in a long time because we've never recorded during the playoffs in this capacity. But the Lakers have just gone up three one on the Rockets uh, in it's a my game. My first that... playoff win. <laughs> oh, that's true. Hey, congratulations, Alan. <laughs> let's
1: let's all you. clap for Allen. Feels so good. Let's go, Alan. We broke
2: the curse. Yeah, I was beginning to. To wonder a little bit, Alan. But tonight we broke the curse and we can move forward with our lives. Um, I guess let's just talk about our visceral feelings with this game. I mean, the Lakers obviously uh, let go of the rope there for the last five minutes of that game. It was it got down as close as eight points, five points even, uh, for a game that the Lakers majority kind of had in control. I think they were what was their biggest lead tonight? Twenty uh, something points, right? Um, But for the most part, this was a bizarre game because it reminded me of what we did to the Blazers in game, was it game three? When uh, Damian Lillard kind of banged up his finger and you could just feel like this dejected, demoralized look on his face. And you know, the Rockets did a good job coming back and a large part of that was the Lakers penchant for complacency whenever they think they've got things figured out and for the most part they ha- it seems like they have this Rockets team figured out um, but they started turning the ball over Anthony Davis sounded pretty pissed in his post-game interview, which is what you want to hear. And if anything, maybe that should help us be a little bit more motivated and less complacent in the next game to close this series out. Um, but you know, taking away that that last five minutes of the fourth, this was just such a dominant dominant performance by the Lakers uh, that carried over from the last game where they held the Houston Rockets to 18 points. Sorry, yeah, 18 points in the third quarter of uh, Game Three. 20 points in the fourth quarter. And then tonight, they held the Houston Rockets to 22 points in the first, uh, 19 points in the second. That's 79 points through three quarters. And just an incredible display of dominance on the defensive end by the Lakers. And they really had Houston uh, suffocating for air, pretty much, uh, this most for, for much of this entire game. And I just felt like this was the first time that I've definitively felt that the Lakers have these guys figured out, and the Houston Rockets on their end seem like they didn't know what to do, or what they could do. So they seem sort of helpless. Uh, Alan, what were you feeling? We'll, we'll start with you first, since this is your first uh, Lakers win on this podcast, so go ahead, let it all out.
1: First win ever, including <laughs> regular season. <laughs> um, Yeah, dude, I mean, I agree with you. It does, like, we can see it so clearly too. We know exactly what the game plan is on the defensive end. And, um, I feel like it's the first time in forever where as fans, we are watching the game with like an expected, um, kind of effort and outcome. And we, we know what the team's strategy is going forward. Right. So from the defensive end, we already know they're going to be doubling Harden, you know, um, and we see how they are rotating and they're buzzing all around the perimeter. Um, just running guys off the three-point line and like I said before I don't remember the last time I've been able to predict what we are going to do so easily and it just feels really damn good um yeah man that's that's pretty much all I got to say so I mean heading into uh the next game on Saturday like we already know what's gonna happen and I don't know how Houston is gonna make any type of adjustment offensively uh they look so lost and confused they don't know what they're doing either so uh yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up for me.
2: Can I just ask you really quick, Alan, heading into this game after the two quarters that you saw us dominate in Game 3, were you confident? Were you expecting this sort of outcome? I guess the added wrinkle here is the fact that the Lakers went microball, our version of microball, right? We started Markeith Morris, and what were your thoughts heading into this?
1: Yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised by the uh, starting lineup change at all. It was a uh, it was a pleasant surprise for sure, but we already saw in the second half of game three that this is what we, we did. So why would we go away with it just to start the game, you know? So taking JaVale out, that one clip of JaVale and Dwight just leaning their heads on that little barricade <laughs> by the bench <laughs> is the funniest thing. Um, but yeah, like we know they're not going to play and uh, we're, we're beating them at their own game in a sense. Um, <clears throat> so as far as my confidence level going into this game, Um, Despite my curse on the Lakers through these playoffs, I was very confident that we were going to win. And, um, yeah, I felt like we were going to do it in this fashion that we did uh, tonight. So I fully expect this to happen again (laughs) in Game 5. And I I don't think, actually, that we will have a letdown. That's going to be my bold prediction. We all know closeout games are the hardest ones, but uh, I think we're going to handle them.
2: Nice, yeah, you know, I was a little bit concerned that because of the amount of energy the Lakers were exerting, uh, especially in the last game in the second half i was I was curious as to whether or not they'd be able to keep it up um the shifting of Markeith Morris into the starting lineup definitely helped, and even outside of this rocket series a lot of us were clamoring for a switch up of the starting lineup anyways, and lo and behold, you just tinker with it a little bit and take out, you know, probably the weakest link and the Lakers actually start off strong. When's the last time we started off that solidly, you know? Um, Tommy, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? You, before this series even began, were pretty confident. Uh, You were a little worried after game one, but I think for the most part, the sentiment that you held was, look, the Rockets, this micro ball, Maury ball, D'Antoni stuff, they play a gimmicky sort of style. And if the Lakers can come out and, you know, stay disciplined and really come up with a game plan they should be able to figure this out eventually but uh w- did you
0: expect this this i did expect this to be honest with you. Oh, okay I, cool. I, I didn't expect <laughs> yeah, i didn't expect that we would have four games of this but i figured at least one or two would be kind of like this i mean it's kind of like what happened in the portland series like game one i think was very parallel i think there were a lot of people trying to you know, be alarmist and say that it's not the same. And yeah, obviously Houston is much better than Portland. That's not really the question. But I felt the similar level of they just were not on the same page at all. They looked rusty. They looked out of sync in game one of this series. I drew, I took nothing away from the game one loss other than it was a two-point game in the fourth quarter and we just, like, shit the bed at the end. Kind of like, I mean, it was the same thing that happened with Portland, right? So... You know, the fact that we were that close in a game where I thought just in every category we played about as bad as we could was a really good sign to me. And I tend to like look for signs like that. I mean, like same thing in the last game. I felt like we did not play very well. Def- I mean, like we probably had our worst defensive performance in the bubble in the first half of game three. Um, And we were only down by three going into halftime. So I felt pretty good. So it, it just felt like today everything kind of clicked from the beginning they had their small ball lineup in there they got off to a quick quick start they had their rotations down I mean Houston could not do anything it was like it, at times it was painful to watch because like yeah well beautiful <laughs> for us but I mean with you know it was this offense is so good um they've been good you know throughout the whole season throughout the playoffs that they, they're designed to generate open looks and Typically when they lose, it's because they're not hitting their open looks. Um, I I guess I can't say that. They obviously, they're not like, they're not like one of the top four teams in the entire league. Um, But it it just felt like we were taking them out of everything they wanted to do. Anytime they would make a pass, we were like already there, like anticipating the next rotation. And I really, really like to see it because the Clippers who were probably going to play in the next round are not going to make the same kinds of mistakes that Houston and Portland makes. Um, I think Portland have, have made. So it, it, I'm not that surprised by what I saw. I think it's, it was a great sign and, um, I just hope they can keep it up.
2: Yeah. So let's get into the game and what we've seen the last, uh, two games or so, since you guys haven't been on, um, I tweeted it out around the midway through the second quarter when things were just rolling for us. I mean, we freaking held the Rockets to four field goals in the second quarter, which is unheard That's of. That's crazy. I mean, dude, James Harden had two field goals this game. <laughs> That's, I- <laughs> That's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's. I mean, he had 20 free throw attempts. The fact that the Houston Rockets had 39 free throw attempts to our 16 And the refs gave them they made 30 free throws to our 15. And we still ended up winning by 10. And we had a a lead as large as 23 is ridiculous to think about. But there was a point in that second quarter, or maybe actually even towards the end of the first where I was like, Is Houston now trying to play like us? Because they started scrambling on defense and trying to get turnovers. And they started trying to push the pace a lot more and attack the paint. But they were super sloppy with it. And that only led to more turnovers on their end. And then we just pick up the scraps and take it the other way and easily score even more. And so they gave us more transition points trying to outrun us in transition. And I thought that was the most hilarious thing because coming into this series, it was all about oh, we're going to force the Lakers to play our style of ball. And if you want to take a victory lap over the fact that the Lakers went quote-unquote small against the the Rockets and your plan worked because JaVale and Dwight didn't play, go ahead and take that victory lap. But I just thought it was hilarious that the Rockets all of a sudden were like, hey, maybe we should try this fast thing that the Lakers are doing. And they just couldn't do it. They don't have the athletes that we do. They're not as strong as we are. They're not as big as we are. And they can't finish like we do. And it was just it was just so funny to see that I think they even threw out a zone against us at one point uh, it was just such a dominant performance by the Lakers capped off by Alex Caruso absolutely breaking the Rockets back with that three-pointer uh, all of a sudden in that last minute or so he was deflecting balls left and right um, also capped off by that highlight
0: very disrespectful oh lob <laughs> by Rajon Rondo <laughs> off the glass yeah, to LeBron was James was, dude, knew it was coming. <laughs> Oh, he was looking for him <laughs>
1: For sure. So I'm going to throw this off the shot clock. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was rude, fam. But, Alan, I guess, what? how did the Lakers win tonight? What? What's the differences that you've seen from, you know, the, that game one and even the start of that game two for them to really turn up the dials here defensively? And, and what's been most, I guess, um, alarming to you in a good way that stood out to you outside of the obvious, you know, defense?
1: Um. Well, I mean... The biggest difference between the first half of game three, like you said, it was just our defensive game plan and how intentional it is. And I I love how all the guys are calling each other out, right? When they miss a rotation or like when Danny Green is late (laughs) double teaming or Danny Green is not positioned correctly while he's double teaming, that sort of thing. Like guys are snapping at each other verbally, but it isn't like a frustrated, like angsty kind of snapping. It's come on, like you have to be better. And the, the best part of it is, like, guys are responding to that kind of feedback from each other. So the fact that they are being so communicative right now on the defensive end um, and calling each other out is extremely promising. And there's, there's no reason why that shouldn't continue going forward. Um, so that, that's for sure the thing that has stood out to me most. And, you know, as a team, we've hung our hat on the defensive end all year. That's been our identity but to me, this is just, like, a whole different level. And maybe it's just the matchup, right? Maybe it is because it's Houston. And for us, at least, there's such a distaste for James Harden in particular and how he plays. Uh, and, and so many other teams just haven't been able to figure it out. I mean, even going back to last year, I remember our individual defensive game plan against Harden was to guard him with our hands behind our backs, right? Yeah. Like, we had Brandon Ingram, <laughs> right, putting his hands, like, right above his hips and guarding him at half court. And, like, that obviously didn't work. And it's like, oh, look, we're, like, trying to do these super unconventional things. And here we are in this bubble, and, like, we've cracked that code, no doubt. Um, so this is, like, a tangent, but I'm really curious next season as to how the whole league is going to defend Houston, right? If Assuming, like, D'Antoni's there or something, and they just run the exact same style of offense. But, yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how they as a team would adjust. Um, and it's cool that we are the ones to kind of get that thing going. Um, as far as something that, what was the other question you asked? Like, it's been a pleasant.
2: I guess something yeah. that's that stood out the most alarming. to you. In, yeah, exactly.
1: Stood out the m- alarming in a positive way, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I could have phrased that better, but, uh, we can, we can, uh, shift it over to Tommy. Cool. Is, is there, I guess, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's all good. I, sh- I should have phrased it better. Um, so I just want to bring up that one play you were talking about, you know, how much we hate James Harden, but there was one play that was very indicative of us just. It's totally a strong putting word. We hate the down. way he
0: plays. <laughs> just kidding. We really, really, really don't like him. <laughs>
2: He had that uh, transition play where he was about to pull off his Euro step garbage Euro trash stuff, and uh, it was a it was a McGang double bang by a Rondo and Caruso <laughs> where they stripped him, and then I think Rondo took the ball and uh, threw it out of bounds on uh, James oh, yeah. Harden's leg or whatever, and I was like, "That's a McGang bang." Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, what I guess I just give me Yikes. some additional thoughts on just uh, how the Lakers are doing this against this Rockets team, and did you think that they could sustain this level of energy and speed and
0: just being able to scramble all around the court? Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think again, it goes back to this team has proven from the coaching staff level time and time again that they will adapt. I well, I guess to the extent I'm surprised, I we haven't seen these coaches we haven't seen this roster in the playoffs as a unit together so there's always that little bit of like ptsd from the byron scott and <laughs> luke walton years where you're kind of thinking like how how long is it going to take and and frankly i don't even mean to throw those dudes under the bus just look at some of the other series that have happened in the bubble so far i mean like with the philadelphia 76ers and how ineffective they looked at times in the first round i mean there were a bunch of series that 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 seemed like super super one sided and and you felt you got the sense from like the coaching staff that adjustments just weren't being made. Look at the one seed in the other conference and how that went for that team and how it historically goes for that coach. So I think we had reason to be a little bit suspicious or wary, I guess, of of how things would would turn out. But if we use the regular season as any indication of you know future performance, it the coaching staff throughout the season adapted. Like we started off the season. Uh we made a lineup change. I can't remember was Avery Brad no Avery Bradley was the starter from the beginning, but then but then uh I can't remember exactly the lineup changes we made, but we made lineup changes. We we adapted to what other teams were doing. Um we did it throughout the season, and uh we've done it in the playoffs, and I think it's been like game one to game two, you see huge differences. But what I've really appreciated is game two to game three, game three to game four in both series. Um it felt like the victory wasn't enough. They were going to continue to refine and work on the things mm-hmm. that they they didn't do well. Because that's another thing with past Laker playoff teams even, um, maybe because those teams were more experienced or veteran or what, uh, you know, more experienced together, I guess. It always felt like there were letdown games in the playoffs sometimes where it just like, oh, they, they just didn't show up. But it would happen like game three of a series, game four of a series, as opposed to, Game one, we're after a long break. So what I've liked about this series, and maybe it's just the function of not traveling and doing games every other day so you can really build that good rhythm, um, it feels like even after wins, we're improving to the next game. So I have no reason to doubt that that won't happen again. Um, Just very, very impressed by, by how... You know, how quickly I guess they've gotten it all together. Not a surprise to me that they got it together and, and figured out this Houston offense, but I guess how quickly they did it is is a little bit surprising.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Alan, before we take it to break, give me one of your favorite plays from tonight's game, whether defensive or offensive that stood out to you?
1: uh i really want to say the rondo lob at the end dude because i like jumped out of my chair um and i started running around my living room um shoot there were there were a lot man screw it i'm gonna go with that one even though like the game was already over it was just so arrogant and cocky and like just just teabagging the rockets it was great
2: i'll give you one uh the Taylin Hoarder Tucker slicing into the lane for the reverse
0: oh, was... layup <laughs> oh, that was nice <laughs> that was sick
1: dude <laughs> That feels like Bro. two games ago at this point. That's crazy. <laughs> when I saw
2: him do that and how comfortable he looked dribbling the ball out there, I was oh, like Spider man, man meme dude. to like yeah, yeah. Taylor Horton Tucker and James Harden. I was like, "Hey, we got somebody who can do that <laughs> shit." <laughs> that okay outside that's of a good the call. Rondo outside of the Rondo lob off the glass. The the next most disrespectful thing was Taylor Horton Tucker out there balling the hell out. I mean,
1: that's the, totally to fair. Be fair right. it, you win, you win.
2: In my head, I was like, Vogel, what the. Fuck?
0: What are you doing, oh, you. bro? Yeah, it was so weird. I was like, I wonder what Jonathan thinks about this. <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker.
2: I was like, quit while you're ahead, buddy. And then, I mean, the joke's on me. That guy came out ready. Props to Taylor Horton Tucker. Even knocked down a three. I mean, he did some scrappy things on the defensive end. Just huge, huge. First real playoff minutes for Taylor Horton Tucker. In seven minutes, he had five points, two steals, two rebounds. During the time he was out there, he was, like, one of our top plus-minus guys. And, uh yeah uh tommy do you have one play that stood out to you before we take it to break
0: yeah i can't remember who he blocked but it was like the anthony davis block where he blocked it got his own rebound because it was a block off the backboard westbrook through like oh yeah westbrook and then threw like a full court pass to kuz for the dunk on the fast break mm, that was, yeah that was pretty sick
2: for sure all right and with that we'll take it to break and when we return we'll just close this episode out and talk more about this lady game all right, so we're back, and I have one more play that I want to bring up that I thought was uh, pretty indicative of this series, actually, and uh, the smarts of Rajon Rondo, uh, playoff Rondo. Uh, there was this play where they tried to actually body up Rajon Rondo and trap him the way that we do, Harden and uh, Eric Gordon sometimes, but, or actually Russell Westbrook, and Rondo just decided to pound the ball all the way through to the full court, and then he ended up lobbing it up to Anthony Davis for an alley-oop dunk. And I just thought that was that was insane because we outside of LeBron James we have no other player who can handle the ball that confidently and not get it stripped for 85 feet of the court and then lob it up so easily to Anthony Davis and we come out we come out of that play with an alley dunk so just incredible stuff from Rajon Rondo again who almost had a triple double this is three straight games of playoff Rondo guys 11 points 10 rebounds 8 assists knocked down another three-pointer, two steals, continues to harass the Houston Rockets, and just, he's so pesky. It's like he knows exactly what they're going to do. Um, It's just incredible. Uh, Alan, talk about playoff Rondo and what you've seen since his return.
1: Yeah, I think this was in our group chat. We were kind of talking about um the difference between him in the regular season and, and in the postseason. And it's kind of like that kid in your class who doesn't really do his homework. He doesn't participate. Um, He's just kind of chilling there, right? And he's so bored because he's so damn smart. It's like, yo, why do I have to do all this busy work? I don't want to work with my stupid group on this stupid project, whatever. And he's just kind of there, right? And probably very annoying to the teacher. But then when it comes to midterms and finals and things like that, the kid (laughs) just absolutely freaking kills it, right? Because, okay, this is like the real stuff. I'll apply myself. I'll try hard right now, just you know, when I really, really need to. And everyone's like, "What the f-? like? Where'd this person come from? They're actually friggin' smart, you know." So that's and because we know he's like this quirky genius kind of like weird guy. Like, there's that story of him. If if he's in a movie theater and there's a plot hole or something, something doesn't make sense and connect, he'll straight up leave the movie theater and he'll ask for a refund for his ticket because he's like, "This movie sucked. Didn't make sense. It's bothering me." <laughs> So it just makes sense, right? That here in the playoffs, where he has to make adjustments and he has to actually like, like this is intelligent stuff that's going on right now. It's a real challenge for him, and he's gonna flex for it. Um, so that's that's my uh, analogy for Rajon Dude, Rondo.
2: That was amazing. Shout out to Jason Fan and Terry Fong. Two guys that I think are exactly
1: like that. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> Nobody's gonna understand that, that but an they analogy. were. Yeah, good analogy, but those two guys in at, at high school were were brilliant minds. They just didn't Geniuses. do their homework. Geniuses, <laughs> but when it came test time, so disruptive during shit.
1: class. Hilarious though.
2: <laughs> um Tommy, any thoughts on Playoff Rondo? I am just blown away that this is actually
0: real, because I will say, although in your mind you know, the the analogy that Alan gives is, like, the one that stands out. For every one of those people, there's about, like, 50 other people who (laughs) don't do their homework and still bomb the desk, (laughs) you know? So, it, it, I, you never know. I, like, wasn't completely sure which one we were going to get, and it's been so refreshing to see Rondo, playoff Rondo is real. I mean, this is, like, when we signed this dude two summers ago, this felt like the best case scenario potentially of what he could potentially be used for. Um, and he's lived up to it. So it's been it's been awesome to watch.
2: My, my new analogy, revised analogy for Alan is, it's like that kid who's in class, who really sucks, doesn't do his homework. And then it turns out he's actually a cop. He's actually a narc. <laughs> Like 21 Jump Street. Are you a narc? <laughs> okay, never mind. Infiltrate the dealers, find the suppliers, bitch.
1: Um, anyways. Finger popping each other's <laughs> holes. I don't know where I was going, going with the Z, so. We was out here solving the case while y'all was popping, finger popping each other's assholes. <laughs>
2: Oh man, uh, yeah, props to Rajan Rondo. Um, let's look at some stats really quick, some other things that stood out to me in this game. Um... Tonight, the Lakers played big. They out-rebounded the Houston Rockets 52-26. to Shout-out to Danny Green, Mr. Offensive Rebounding Monster out there. I felt like he kept, like, getting his own board, Shit, which is ridiculous. Um, LeBron James almost had a triple-double as well. 16 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. Anthony Davis, I think he's averaging, like, 29 points in this series. 29 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. Um... Even Kyle Kuzma, look, he had a very like subpar, mediocre game offensively. I actually thought he was being a little too passive, but he had three assists tonight and c- continually kept making the right read on offense and passing it off for a better shot. I just hope he gets a little more swaggy with his three-point shot attempts because I feel like he's totally abandoned that. Um, and so I still think we're going to get that, you know, blowout Kuzmania game or he just gets hot from uh, the outside. And I hope that happens uh, in the closing game because that'll really, you know, sock it to the Rockets. Um, but I guess we have to give props to uh, Caruso because 16 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, hit that huge 3-pointer, 2 of 5 from 3. And obviously did a whole bunch of stuff on defense, just exerting his effort and his physicality on the Rockets. And I think he had one really great verticality play on James Harden, right?
1: He's really good at that. Stan Van Gundy was saying, you know, you never see guards do that sort of thing in the paint. It's always coming from big. And I feel like in this series, he's done that at least like three times on either Westbrook or Harden.
2: Yeah, so, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Alex Caruso? You know, he's a very memeable player. Like, basketball Twitter doesn't understand. They think we're overhyping this dude like we usually do. Every other player that comes across our, you know, court or our jerseys. Um, But, yeah, your thoughts on Mr. Caruso?
0: I actually think in a weird way, because nobody ever expected this for Caruso, he almost has, like, the Kuz problem, where it felt like he recognized we're not going to have Avery Bradley anymore. He's going to have a bigger role. Even during the season, it kind of felt like he was doing this. He was going to have a bigger role, and, you know, Ronda was in and out of the lineup, and it felt like he was taking it upon himself a little bit too much to do things that are sort of out of his wheelhouse. Um, What I liked more than even than him hitting, like, the open shots, he's always going to give you defense. But what what I liked more about even more than him hitting the open shots was the cutting. The cutting was phenomenal. I mean, his his basketball IQ, like, just, you know, starting to make a baseline cut, noticing that your man was the, you know, paying attention to the play, noticing your man was the one who doubled in the post, and then just, like, stopping your, you know, move to the opposite side, standing right under the basket, and hitting a wide-open layup, you know? So that kind of stuff is what Avery Bradley was really good at as well. So if Caruso is able to kind of fill that void that, that we lost a bit when Bradley went out, That would be a phenomenal development. I mean, we don't need Caruso to score 16 points a game for us, obviously. Um, But the more he can keep up his offense, I feel like his confidence on offense suddenly triggers him to be looking out more for opportunities. I feel like when he's, you know, missed his outside shots, he makes himself a non-factor on the offensive end. He just, like, passes to LeBron and then, like, hides in the corner and doesn't move and like if he catches Mm -hmm. it maybe he'll swing the ball but like he's not trying to like do anything crazy um but when he hits some outside shots and gets that confidence going he hit a couple free throws then all of a sudden it's like he's looking for those aggressive cuts and and uh looks at the at the rim to get himself some easier points
2: Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to shout out Danny Green really quick. He had 10 points. I actually hit two threes. Um, I actually felt like he had more threes than the stats show tonight just because I felt like they came during very momentum-shifting plays. I I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I felt like they came at back-breaking moments where we were just piling it on the Rockets, and it just reminded me that, oh, yeah, when Danny Green is freaking hitting shots... We're amazing, so hopefully that continues. Wait, yeah
0: how how many rebounds do you think he had? Do you think he had more or less than four rebounds? Shut
2: up, dude. He had. No, 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 okay. Serious. <laughs> I
0: honestly felt like he had like eight rebounds in this game. When okay, that's four, fair. Okay. When I saw four, I was shocked. He was dominating the offensive glass. <laughs> he was dominating the offensive glass
2: for sure. I mean, he felt like PJ Tucker out there. Speaking of PJ Tucker, the dude had zero points. Oh. Covington had three points. What the hell did we do to these fools, man? It's almost like the Rockets were like... We we buried them and they were still alive in the freaking coffin and they were trying to get out because they had no air. I mean, that's what it felt like tonight. Just absolutely suffocating Lakers' defense. And um, this is the second straight game where we held them to below 34 three-point shot attempts. And a lot of that came in the fourth quarter, you know? Third, fourth quarter. They only took 33 threes tonight. Last game, they only took 30. The game before that, they had 53. The fact that we've been able to limit their three-point shot attempts has been absolutely amazing. So I think we're going to cut it short here. Alan, I'll give you the, the last word here. Any, anything you want to bring up or say before we close this out?
1: Yeah. So I think if there is any team that is looking at a 3-1 to deficit in the playoffs and just wants to get the hell out of the bubble... It's the Houston Rockets I'm not trying to take it But if there's any team that's going to say 1-2-3 Cancun Especially in COVID times It is definitely them So my prediction is on Saturday It's just going to be a massive (laughs) freaking blowout Like we're going to do our thing defensively And all that but I don't even think That they are going to show much fight The Rockets that is And uh, yeah I could just see it being a, a complete Walk in the park for us on Saturday Book it
2: But what if Danwell House is back?
1: Dude, I don't give a shit about Danwell House.
2: (laughs) Welcome to my house, baby. Take control now. All right. With that said, we'll we'll leave it there. Tommy, any last words? That's probably what he was
1: saying in his hotel room.
2: That is exactly what he was saying. Uh,
0: Tommy? No, I was just going to say that's a really good point by Alan. James Harden looks so fad. Like, he, he came into this bubble fat. <laughs> yeah! Dude. I mean, people... like It's like, everybody's happy to talk about how he scored, like, before this game, because he got fouled a million times, he scored, like, four points a game in the fourth quarter for, like, nine games in a row, or something absurd. Like, but nobody wants to point out that... It, could it be that he looks completely obese and he can barely move around out there? Like, it's just crazy. So, if I, I, I totally agree that if, if a team is going to quit down 3-1, it's this team, because Harden... He needs to get out of this bubble. He's just like, he looks like he's totally, he came in checked out physically anyway.
2: That's how they look the entire game. He looks fat. He played fat tonight and gave up a lot of. Gave the sounds ball up fat. very easily. <laughs> sounds bad. <laughs> Whatever that sounds like. But with that said, we will close. We'll end it right there. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate, interview us five stars on iTunes. You're so lit. We still need to get a 420. We're two reviews away from that. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. I have no idea what's going on in the background. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, let's end it there. We're feeling good. We're feeling lit. Let's close it out on Saturday, Lakers. Uh, Alan, Tommy, I'll let you guys go. See ya.
1: All right, see you later. Late.
0: (laughs) Peace. (laughs)